As humans, we often struggle with context when it comes to our faith and regularly fail to apply the Word of God in our daily lives. Verita's podcast is a weekly Bible study led by Rev. C.B. Samuel and through it, we try to understand and locate the roles we are called to play in the world we live in by delving into the teachings of the Holy Bible. We welcome you to join us in learning more from the Word of God and in learning how to live out meaningful lives as Christians. This is the last part of our study on Mark's Gospel. And uh, we've seen that Mark was one of the earliest writers of the life of Jesus. And as we looked at earlier, Matthew and Luke seem to have borrowed a lot from Mark. And John was, of course, different. And he had a different intention of the way he wrote the gospel, uh, having Jesus' life events selectively given with a lot of teaching that Jesus did, which came out of those sessions. But when we look at Mark, it was basically following Jesus in a chronological way and presenting the gospel. And what we have seen from Mark's gospel, and of course the others, is that Jesus' ministry was basically in the northern part of Israel, that is Galilee, Nazareth. And he functioned from there for most of his life. Three years of three and a half years was his total ministry time. And during that time, he was basically in Galilee and Nazareth. Occasionally, of course, visiting Jerusalem. And most of the gospel incidents that took place, took place in that area. And then towards the end in, gospel, in Mark's gospel, for instance... After chapter 9, Jesus starts moving towards Jerusalem. And in his journey towards Jerusalem, there are less events in which he was involved in healing, but largely teaching. And uh, that's what we saw. And then, of course, in chapters 11 to 16, the last five chapters are related to Jesus' last week in Jerusalem, where he arrived and then... There were a lot of things that happened. And so the teaching part of Jesus' ministry, we have seen already, uh, covered a lot of areas. And uh, on the functioning of the kingdom of God and uh, the ethics of the kingdom and about his own identity itself, as John would say it. But one significant part of his teaching, which we find towards the end of his ministry, was the fact of um, the what we call the end of age. Now, it is a difficult passage. We find it in Mark's Gospel in chapter 13. I want to look at that today. And, you know, these are times in which uh, there are so many uh, teachers uh, trying to tell us if this, the time that we are living in is uh, in any way related to the end of history or the end of time. And uh, it's very hard to say. Jesus himself said that, uh, you know, it is not for us to decide on whether, you know, whether time, because he said about the date or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So it's very clear that all attempts to try and locate very specifically if we have arrived on that time, uh, is very difficult, in, not only here in Mark, but also later on 
In the book of Acts, even before Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples asked him again a similar question, whether it was the time for the kingdom of God to actually be established. And Jesus' answer at that time was that it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You know, so it is very clear that we, when we study these passages, the intention is not so much to identify and predict the actual date and year when it is going to happen. But on the other hand, Jesus is also very clear that there are signs less, he says in chapter 13, for instance, in verse 26, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs come tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near and right at the door. So basically he said, watch. So there is this whole teaching on which we watch the signs. But at the same time, we are not allowed to actually locate the actual timing of when the end will happen. Now, it's very clear there are a lot of signs that are given prior to that. Now, Mark chapter 13 is what I'm going to look at today. It starts off with the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. They were outside the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus was leaving the temple, as it says here. And one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones and what a magnificent building. They were talking about the beauty of the building and, you know, the stones that were being used. And Jesus' answer was that, did you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite to the temple. Peter, James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Now the question in Mark is very simple. It says when will this happen? When will this uh, temple being dismantled take place? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? What are some of the things that we can know of definitely that will point to the fact that this particular event that Jesus predicted was going to happen? So the destruction of the temple with not a single stone standing on each other seems to be what Jesus was talking about. But in Mark's, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 24, the same incident is narrated and the same way the people ask a question. Jesus' disciple asked him, uh, when would this happen? And Jesus was sitting, it says in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 24. The disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when this would happen. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It looks as though the question that was asked was not only when the dismantling of the temple would take place, but also when would be the end of age and the sign of Jesus coming. 
Now, there it looks as though there is an expansion on that question. And the same incident is repeated in, is found in Luke chapter 21. Now, in Luke chapter 21, it says here that some of the disciples asked Jesus the question, when will these things happen and what will be the sign they are about to take place? Now, it is clear that there are two questions that were asked. One, the fulfillment of Jesus' statement that the temple will be destroyed and the signs that will show that it's going to take place. And in Matthew, it is also about when will the end of age happen and what will be the sign of your coming. Assumption is that the coming of Jesus and the end of age will happen at the same time. Now, Jesus had already told his disciples that he would have to leave, he would be killed, and all those things. And now the question is, when is he going to come back? When will, it, when will he come back? Now, that, this has created a major controversy in the interpretation of Jesus' teaching, which relate to the second coming. Now, the whole issue is that, uh, you know, we must understand Jesus' teaching is related only to these three sections in the Gospels. And, uh, but Jesus definitely believed that he was going to come back because in, John, in Acts chapter 1, before he was taken up, the angels came and told the disciples that he will come back. And, he, and Jesus himself said, I will come back and take you. Now, Jesus' teaching on the end of age is not limited to the Gospels, uh, Jesus' own teaching. But there's a lot of teaching about the end of age. And it's largely found in the epistles. And then we have the book of Revelation, which very specifically is a revelation to John about the fact that, you know, this is what will happen at the end of age. And this is what Revelation chapter 3 would tell us, I think, in uh, uh, chapter, um, so let me just get it. Chapter 4, it says that uh, these are the things that would happen at the end of age. It looks like I got my reference a little mixed up here. And uh, Jesus would say that uh, these are things that must take place. Revelation 1 verse 1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants of what must take place. He made it known by sending his servant. And uh, so basically, these are the fulfillment of what was going to take place. Now, uh, I think when we look at the teaching on the second coming, you know, or Jesus' coming, there is clearly one which related to the destruction of the temple, and which was the first question that was asked. And even in Jesus' answer, in uh, Mark chapter 13, and it looks as though the answer also referred to his coming itself. Now, we must understand, we have to separate these things. Now, these are days in which people like to know when is this going to happen. Now, I'm not going to give you any date, as I said, but I'm going to look at this passage of what did Jesus actually say. Jesus talked about an incident which will take place where the temple will be destroyed. And particularly, the temple that they were referring to. Israel had already experienced one temple being totally destroyed, the temple of Solomon. 
and uh, then afterwards they there were efforts to rebuild that temple uh, it was not anything like the original temple which stood there and then we have herod coming in to build his temple the second temple as they would say so that was the temple that jesus was look, looking and talking about because the disciples were impressed with the quality and the beauty of the temple and what jesus said was not one stone will be left on another a very clear uh, action which can be located in history 60 years after jesus said this or maybe a little earlier 40 years this temple was destroyed totally destroyed in such a way not one stone stood on another because they say that the uh, armies the invading armies were looking for the gold that had been used in the building of this temple and so they set fire and they moved the stones because it was in between also there was gold that's what they say but that was fulfilled so in one way jesus prediction about the temple was fulfilled now there is nothing to say in the scripture that there will be another temple that would be built there's nothing in the scripture to say there would be another temple that would be built so of course the new testament talks about us as the body of christ as the temple of god now so we must be very careful how we expand it is possible it is possible that uh, there may be come there may be a temple uh, in you know which will be again you know destroyed we don't know but as far as this passage is concerned is very specific it is about the temple and what does jesus say the in answering that question he says firstly you know, there are different sections in this firstly verses 5 to verse 8 now here he says watch out that no one deceives you many will come in my name claiming that i am he and will deceive many if we're talking about signs of the end or signs that are pointer to the fulfillment of god's word one will be the increasing number of people who will deceive by claiming that they are the messiah now that is a very important aspect now we have later on a term which is used by the writers of the epistles when they call such a person as the antichrist of course not every messiah claim is also a person who is anti christ but definitely he said there will be many who will deceive many by claiming that i am he i am the messiah that is what it is in another place so when you and so jesus is very clear that will be one of the things the number increasing number of people who would say that they are from god as the one who we were looking forward to and people will be deceived now the confusion we have in understanding what jesus is saying is is this particular to a particular time that already had come, happened or is it a characteristic of the times in which we live which is also true the claim that you know somebody claiming that they were messiah was not simply limited to jesus time it happened even afterwards so it's very clear that uh, you know this claim is something that goes on 
But also there is a possibility that towards the end of history, there would be an increasing claim uh, of such a proportion that the Messiah, many people would claim, and deceiving, you know, trying to be the answer for the people's hope. But the most important word here is deception. Deception. I believe that the Apostle Paul, when he uses this word in the sign of the end of time, I think it's a very important reference for us to understand. Because Paul would say that the devil would deceive people. Writing to the Thessalonian church in First Thessalonians or in Second Thessalonians, this is what the Apostle Paul would say, that in the last days, he talks about a man of lawlessness. And he says, he will deceive, and he said, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And he says, there will be deception. He says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with Satan's works. He will use all sorts of display of power through signs and wonders that serve the light. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. So basically, deception would increase. It's a very clear indicator that as we move towards the end. Secondly, Jesus would say in verses 7 onwards, there would be wars and rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Now, the wars will increase and rumors of war will increase. Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Now, these are the beginning of the birth facts. Now, Jesus gives certain clear signs, but the confusion here is that, you know, we, since Jesus spoke in the, uh, these words, that we have always been living and watching wars and rumors of war increase and nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdom. Now, we cannot say that it is something that would happen only in the last days. It is happening. Now, the possibility is that it would increase. The world will continuously and definitely be a world of violence. That is possibility. That would increase. As we seek peace, peace will not be something that we are going to find. But then Jesus goes on to say, there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Again, it is possible that these will all in an increasing proportion be present as we are closer to the end. But, Jesus says in verse 8, these are the beginning of the birth pangs. This is not the end. It's just the beginning of the birth pangs. Because the word that is used here is a positive word in the sense what we don't have to be worried about what is happening. This is the birth pangs. You know, something good is going to happen. But the process is a very painful process. So we see the sign but it is not the event. That's what Jesus is saying. And there's going to be increasing evidence of something that is going to happen. So we shouldn't think this is the end, but this is an indicator or a, a pointer towards it. Then in verses 9 to the verse, I think till the end of verse 31, 
Jesus gives much more specific events that will take place. And firstly, he says, persecution would increase. He says, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogue. There would be increasing persecution of the followers of Christ. Of course, persecution has been there from day one when Jesus himself was killed. But then it was not very limited. It continued and the early church faced a lot of persecution. They, spread, they fled from persecution, but they were persecuted all the time. And even today, there is increasing evidence that the church of Christ is a persecuted community. The next thing that happens is that in spite of the persecution that takes place, the gospel will be preached to all the nation. There will be increasing presentation of the gospel, whichever way it is, either by people going there or people communicating, whatever way it is done, the gospel will be preached to all nations. And that's a good news that we have. You know, while the persecution increases, it doesn't mean the work of God can be stopped. That would continue. In many ways, you know, it could be ways in which we may not be even used as instruments. It could be the powerful moving of the spirit that takes place. So very important for us to understand that the growth of the followers of Jesus will increase in spite of the persecution. The next important thing that talks about is that uh, not only will the gospel be uh, growing, but also as, you know, there would be betrayal of each other. It says in verse 12, brother will betray brother and father will betray his chi child. Children will rebel against parents. And it's not only a persecution which is external, but internally because of Christ. You know, people who we were very close to, we thought we belonged to one family, one community, are the ones who will betray us. He says, everyone will hate you because of me. But remember, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then Jesus talks about another incident in verses 14. Now, this is a confusing incident because Jesus used a phrase which Daniel used. He says here, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, then let those in Judea flee to the mountains. There's an event that Jesus refers to, which is called the abomination of desolation. The word abomination is that means something which is repulsive, something we don't want to see. And because of which there is desolation, people flee from that place. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, where it says that Jesus used it, he says in verse 15 of Matthew 24, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. Very clear, he's talking about an incident that Daniel talked about. Now, Daniel in chapter 9, verse 27, chapter 11, verse 31, and chapter 12, verse 11, talks about an incident where the, uh, the destroyer will arrive in the temple and stand where he should not stand in the Holy of Holies. And he will actually uh, desecrate the place. And that is why it is an abomination. And so Jesus says, when you see this happening now, is it 
related to the same signs in terms of the gospel being preached and persecution increasing. And uh, now this is a confusing uh, sign because that temple is no longer there. The temple, as I said, was destroyed in 66 AD, maybe 30 or 40 years after Jesus said these words. And so it's very clear that the temple had gone and it's almost, you know, the process by which the temple was destroyed, the temple in Jerusalem, is clear indicator or clear, uh, clear reference to what is called abomination of desolation. And so it looks as though in the midst of Jesus talking about the signs that you would see, he puts in one which very specifically answers the question that the disciples had. When would this happen? When would the temple be dismantled? He said at that time, you know, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let no one on the housetop go down and enter the house to take anything. And he talks about just escaping. And it's very clear that the persecution of that time of the Jews, they fled from there and they left everything. So it is clear that it looks as though this particular abomination of desolation was referring to the temple that was destroyed and the disbursement of the Jewish people. And uh, so again, you know, after having said that in verses uh, 14 to verse uh, 20, Jesus goes back to say in verse 21, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is a Messiah, look there, he is, do not believe, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform. So it looks as though in the context of all that is happening, persecution, pain, signs, there will be one thing that would consistently be happening is people who will try and deceive people in order to get their attention or their loyalty. And then Jesus says something in verse 24, which again, I believe, goes back towards the end of time when he says, but in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. There will be things happening in the skies. I don't have time to look at it, but when we look at the book of Revelation, it's very clear. Revelation talks about a lot of things that would happen when towards the end of history, when God acts, you know, and the whole of nature will be, you know, his instruments. And at that time, Nature itself, as he says here, sun will be darkened, moon will not give its light, stars will fall from the sky. Now this is not something which was fulfilled, but this is something that will be fulfilled. And then he says, at that time, you will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now basically, that is when everything ends. Of course, later on the epistles, Paul and uh, Peter and others will take on this and talk about the Son of Man coming in the skies and people who died first will be picked up or will be raised with him and then the others will rise up with him. Now, though, though these are not what Jesus talked about here, but definitely it's in the scripture and it's a very important part of our scriptural knowledge about the second coming. So basically, Jesus taught this as a definite thing that would happen. Now, there are many interpretations about these words. 
Now, that's true in any prophetic words. But the, whole impo the important thing is even Jesus' first coming was prophesied. And there were many interpretations. The Pharisees had their own interpretation, interpretations. The scribes had their own interpretation. But they had, Jesus did, was not there to fulfill their interpretation. Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy. He fulfilled the prophetic word. So when we read it, I think it's good to understand there would be many more interpretations. But irrespective of the interpretation, the one thing is very clear is that definitely Jesus would come back again. And very important is that his coming back and when he comes back will have clear indicators that will take all place all around. And at that time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. May God help us as we reflect on this particular teaching of what God is going to do in our midst. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you again for this time that we can look at your word and thank you again, O oh God, that we are not only people who are good students of your word, but also, God, because of your word, we are a people of hope. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. taking time out and being a part of this Bible study. Veritas Podcast is a podcast run by students and we upload every week on Wednesdays. If you find our content engaging and wish to know more, kindly subscribe to our podcast channel. Thank you for listening and we hope that you are blessed by this initiative.